Warning! This episode contains foul language and discussions about animal abuse and differently abled people. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with each other and we talk about something weird. And this week we are continuing on with our circus and freak show conversation as we jump into all the juicy details. We will look into the performers, the scandals, the tragedies, and more. So step right up and witness the amazing Keep It Weird co-hosts as they bring you the tea. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Uh, Hi, weirdos. That was great. That was really great. Thank you very much. I was proud. I got really excited with the, like, old-timey, step right up, (laughs) get your... I thought Get it seemed peanuts. fun for the yeah, sideshow. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Huge fan. <laughs> Welcome to part two, everybody. Welcome to part two. I have a question. Does anyone actually like circus peanuts, the candy? Ooh, I don't anymore. I loved them when I was a kid, and I think I went too hard because now I don't like them. <laughs> How do you feel? Hate them. I hate them. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they feel. I don't like the way they taste. Totally fair. Or none of my, stuck in my teeth. None of my friends liked them. I always got them at like the basketball games and events that our parents dragged us to and like older siblings were playing basketball. And I got so much judgment from my best friends who were like, who eats those? Those are terrible. But I was into them until I think my teen years. They're weird. They are weird. And I don't know if they're actually digestible. I don't think they are. It feels like they're just sugary rubber. And they look Mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I should have questioned them much more, but I was an idiot. So, you know. I feel like there's a reason we haven't seen them in a decade. (laughs) I know, right? Like the government quietly (laughs) took them away and we're like, ooh. They were tucked away. Let's not, you know what, until there's like a Freedom of Information (laughs) Act on this, let's just not even mention what this does to your body. Don't tell anybody. Just tuck them away. Act like nobody saw them. Don't bring it up. Yeah, you're right. Another circus movie we didn't talk about. Oh, um, God, what? Dumbo. Oh, Ashley, I can't talk about Dumbo. It's so upsetting. <laughs> it's horrible. The whole time last week that you were talking about the trains, I was just imagining Dumbo and his mom on the train and like the traveling oh, circus and just I hated all of it. If anyone has ever been to Disneyland, we have a lot of times and their fireworks show i don't i don't know if they do it anymore they used to you know how like tinkerbell comes out and she flies around as an actual yes. person fucking flying around as tinkerbell and it's like how do they do that right. well they also had dumbo yes it was so cute and uh what was the song what's the song baby of mine and i, I was just like nope. no excuse me excuse me sir i would like my money back i have to go home 
No, I'm that idiot running through the huge crowded main street saying I have to exit this park immediately because I'm bawling my eyes out and let me be free. I can't see to drive home because I got too many tears in them eyes. Me and Alex each have a song that we sing to Wilder before he goes to sleep. And mine is You Are My Sunshine, which now I'm like, you're so cliche and boring. But also it's a sweet song. But Alex sings Baby of Mine. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. He didn't tell me that until like way later, like he had been singing it for months and then finally revealed it one day. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Wait. Yeah. It's very sweet and sad all at the same time. Um, Anyways. Anywho. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Uh, Hi, guys. (laughs) Uh, We're really bringing it down for an episode that is going to bring it down. I thought maybe we should uh, start on an an upswing but i i took that away pretty quick <laughs> with the dumbo talk dumbo hey, oh, chat. what about um pinocchio he doesn't go does he go to a circus or is it just like a carnival Ooh, that's a good point i didn't even think of pinocchio actually i should have mentioned it because in the movies that i was like specifically focused on last week i was doing like freak shows and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of what he goes to yeah because he looks weird so like of course Oh yeah, that's true. Ooh, I, seen I missed Pinocchio it with in a Pinocchio. Very long time. Me either. In our defense, we have not seen it since we were yeah. very little. I forgot about it till you just said that. But I, I think he goes to a freak show. Interesting. So Guillermo Guillermo del Toro is making Pinocchio. It's uh-huh. animated film. It's going to be stop motion animation. Have you seen the cast on this fucking thing? I have not, but please tell oh, me. Oh my god. Okay, so uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, yes. Is playing Cricket. Mm. David Bradley's Geppetto. Kate Blanchett is in it. Oh, my goodness. Tim Blake Nelson, who was recently in The Watchmen. He's also in um, uh, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yes. Okay. Finn Wolfhard, who apparently is in everything now. He is. He's just the star of every show. You know he's going to go far. Ron Perlman. Oh, yes, he is. John Turturro, okay. also in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? What is happening? Why is this the dream cast? <laughs> Christoph Waltz. What? And <gasps> Tilda Swinton. No. They got Tilda? Yeah. They got Tilda. They got <laughs> Tilda. She was free. I am... I, I'm I'm usually not super pumped about animated films, which is weird because every time I actually watch them, I'm like, why don't you enjoy I love them? animated films? <laughs> I love this. But this one, actually, I, I'm really interested in seeing this. This sounds bomb. I am actually very excited for it. And I think enough time has passed that Pinocchio can be remade and we're all okay with it, especially under the supervision of Guillermo del Toro. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And especially, I am a little disappointed that they didn't call Jonathan Taylor Thomas because his performance <laughs> in Pinocchio. Oh, uh, we need him. Groundbreaking. We need him back, guys. JTT. We're here to talk about the circus yes. <laughs> and freak shows. So, Which go hand in hand, but yes. We're going to talk about some things. I am mostly focusing on the performers of... The freak shows back in the day, what made it famous. Um, A lot of them, movies and TV shows were based off of their people. Like some of you will probably have heard of them. Some of them you may not have, but we're going to go through a bunch and I'm just going to tell you a little of their backstory. Some of them are upsetting and some of them actually like did just fine and there's happiness. 
Um, I'm going to first start with one of the most famous ones named Schlitzy. And the name was actually Simon Metz at birth given to this man and then turned into Schlitzy Surtees. I'm not exactly sure how, but Schlitzy was like the main nickname. Just went by that. Um, He was a famous pinhead sideshow performer, and this was mainly due to his role in the film Freaks in 1932, which we talked a lot about last week. And Schlitzy was a man, but his persona in the movie and also on stage in sideshows was always female. He would always wear dresses and come off as a female. And pinhead was the term, the not-so-nice term, that should absolutely be taken away, but it was given to these type of people in the sideshow. Schlitzy was the most famous of the pinheads, but not the only one. There were many of these people. And the reason they were called pinheads was because their skulls were a lot smaller than the average person. These were people born with a condition known as microcephaly, which is a developmental disorder causes the skull and brain to be undersized. And they're usually also people of short stature. Schlitze specifically was only four feet tall. And oh wow, I didn't know he was that short. He was so tiny. I didn't either. He was very I small. Maybe five feet. Right. Four he was only feet. four wow. feet. His condition also left him severely mentally disabled, which made him unable to perform many basic tasks and he could only say very short words or phrases. Um, but he performed in sideshows for many years, again as this female persona. And in the later years, Schlitzy actually became very successful. He lived in Los Angeles. He was performing in sideshow circuits, both locally and internationally. He went to Hawaii and London several times, which he very much enjoyed. And his last major appearance was at the International Circus at the Los Angeles Sports Arena in 1968. And he was just always a a notable attraction from performing on the streets of Hollywood with his caretakers always near because he did need... He had a couple of family members that really looked after him, and occasionally doctors would also look after him. Um, They would always be near, and they would, you know, sell his carnival souvenir pictures everywhere, and he would do, you know, autograph signings wherever he went. Like, he was super popular. His final days were spent in Santa Monica. He also really loved going to MacArthur Park and Alvarado Street, just giving L.A. shout-outs right now since we both live here. Um, And he loved feeding the pigeons and the ducks at MacArthur Park, which I thought was really cute. And he liked also performing for passerbys at the park. If anyone like recognized him or sort of gave him a second look, which of course people did because he looked very different with the size of his head. And also his teeth were protruding quite forward. Like he had a very unique look. He would just perform. He'd make a show of it. He knew what to do. Um, and I thought most he was so people cool. with that ended up in mental yes, asylums. At they the were time, put into so, mental institutions. He actually was for a time. Know, yeah, uh, were not great. So. No, they were usually abused pretty badly and just kind of shoved in there because nobody knew what to do. And he actually did go to a mental institution for a time, but uh, somebody came in and got him. Somebody who he had performed in sideshows with came in to visit him one day. And even though he couldn't express much he did express that he really wanted to get back to doing sideshows and he said he missed performing he was able to communicate how much he missed being out in front of the public so they were like i'm checking him out he's coming with me and he got back out into the circuit until he died in 1971 at 70 years old which actually was like a great life for somebody with his disease so that was awesome he died at fountain view convalescent home 
And of course, if anyone has watched American Horror Story Freak Show, which we've talked about at length, the character Pepper was based on Schlitzy and played so well by actress Naomi Grossman, who basically played a murderous pinhead sideshow performer that wore dresses just like Schlitzy. It was totally in honor of him and done so, 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 so well. Was Again, Pepper murderous? I don't know. If I remember correctly, I think, I don't think so. I thought there were evil tendencies. Were there not? No, I mean she she okay. Spoiler alert for the she accidentally drowned her baby sister. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. But you're right; it was an accident. I should be fair. It wasn't. She also evil. is in uh, American Horror Story Asylum, the season before, two seasons she before is. Freak Show. Yeah, it's the same character, Pepper. Uh, ends up going to the asylum after the freak show shuts down. Right. She is in both of those. She's, I'm just so blown away by that actress, especially I remember watching Freak Show Live and I genuinely thought it was a person with this disorder playing the character. And I was like, how cool that they got (laughs) this actor who actually like probably was in a sideshow. Like I remember thinking it was so genuine because she was that good. And then I looked on IMDb and was like, oh, she's, Yep, she's just a black dress. That's how good she is. She's awesome. Is that condition still a thing? I feel like that's something that like modern medicine has pretty much wiped out. Yeah, you don't see it as much anymore. I think there are still a few people that exist from what I can see. Microcephaly, I had to scroll back up because I never pronounce it right. So I had to look at my like phonetic, phonetic spelling. <laughs> yep. Um, microcephaly it is a lot less common because there are so many things you can do now but it does still exist rarely because i know in in the show uh, in the movie freaks there's like four different yeah there's a ton yeah yeah they're everywhere and schlitzy and a lot of them when they weren't in mental institutions like you said would be part of sideshows but schlitzy was the one who was able to perform the longest and didn't have an issue with it actually enjoyed being a spectacle and i guess had just enough of the brain capacity to say, like, this is something I like and want to continue doing. So, yeah. I mean, he made it work. That's great. And he was okay with wearing the dresses and saying I'm a girl, and he went along with it and made some money, and it was good. He overall, I think, led, you know, as good of a life as you can. I think I'm sure there were lots of hurdles, but as best as it could be. And then I have a pretty sad story that I just had oh, to okay. include. I'm sorry about it. There was, I mentioned this in, in I think our part one, I think I said this guy's name. His name is Johnny Eck. He was one of the American sideshow performers, kind of one of the first that really came forward and was one of the most famous, but he was born with malformed legs and he toured the country basically claiming his story was that he got snapped off at the waist at birth and he was just a torso and he went around kind of the joke was that like he just kind of got cut in half at birth and here he was a torso trying to live life but he was insanely talented he was a skilled painter a carpenter he was a preacher in his youth Whoa! like he was a motivational speaker he also played piano in an orchestra later in life and he had a twin a man with his legs his twin named robert and they actually started touring the country together just to kind of be like hey we're brothers look how different we are and we're gonna do tricks And they toured, made a lot of money, and he developed a reputation being the most remarkable man alive. And he also was in the 1932 film Freaks. They're just, they're all Oh, that's him? 
Yeah. Okay. Johnny Eck. He's the man who's a torso in that yeah. movie. Yeah. And walks in on his hands and he does and he's amazing and his arms are so strong yeah that's the yeah. thing it's like i know i know that there's like another element like there's their arms are just like very very strong but i just yep. picture like what if i had to do that like tomorrow it was like well right? you're screwed then because you i could get nowhere don't even like taking the milk jug out of the fridge on your own i have jello for arms like they <laughs> can't do anything this man is amazing when the film was released on VHS in the 80s, fans were able to track down the Eck twins, Johnny and Robert, and to their home. They were able to find Yikes. them when their fame started rising. And this is where it gets sad. They became the victims of a terrifying hours-long robbery. It was basically like what? all night long. They were 76 years old at the time. One of the intruders sat on Johnny while the other one stole all of his things and made fun of him. They were spitting in his face, being horrible to him. And the ordeal terrified, traumatized these men. Luckily, they weren't overly hurt, you know, like no stab wounds, gunshots, any of that. I mean, they were definitely like beaten a little bit, scared out of their minds, had all of their things stolen. It was still a huge trauma, but it forced the brothers into seclusion with Johnny telling all of his friends, if I want to see freaks, all I have to do is look out the window basically summarizing that they just wanted to stay inside until they died and they would just watch the world go by because they were looking at everybody else as just these evil freaks on the street that could hurt them at any time. So they stayed in their house. They never went anywhere. And Johnny Eck died in 1991 at age 79 and Robert, his twin, died four years later. And they both died just living a life of seclusion and never coming out and performing again because of their trauma, which was so sad. That is really sad. I hate it because they were so happy and they loved the tour life. And I think Johnny was so happy that he found like something he could do. I mean, he had so many talents, but he found that he was able to still travel the world. And then, yeah, some idiots ruined it for him. But I wonder who they are. Did they catch these people? I don't think so. I didn't see anything. I can do a little more research and see and do an update if I find anything. But I didn't see any names. It was just like they went through hours long of this. And yeah, we don't know. It's horrible. Uh, My story is really dark. Do you have a funner? Do you have like a a light one to transition into another fucking depressing story? No, let me let me scroll for a second. I can probably say something a little bit nicer. I could probably come up with some words. Oh, yeah. This guy's not sad. Okay, (laughs) we'll do one more before we jump into Ashley's. There was a man named Frank Lentini called the Mm Three-Legged Man. He was born in Sicily in 1881, uh, named Francesco Lentini, and Mm -hmm. he was unique from birth. He not only had a completely third leg, but he also had a small fourth foot attached to that leg's knee. And he had a second set of fully functioning genitals. He had two pieces, two sets of balls. Yep, fully functioning. (gasps) Lentini's condition was actually the result of a partially formed conjoined twin that just was not, they just just did not make it all the way through. And they fused to him at the pelvis. Since the twins' remaining parts were connected directly to Lentini's spine, his doctors determined that it wasn't feasible to remove them. So Frank Lentini lived the rest of his life as the three-legged man. And originally, Frank was deeply depressed by the way that he was born, and he spent a lot of time at a school with disabled children and was able to see that others 
who, you know, were blind and deaf and going through other things were so accepting of him. He realized that he could start to be accepting of himself. And as we've talked about before, he realized he wasn't alone, just very sweet. So started to feel a little sense of normalcy. And this led him to try and find a career in performing and to just make some lemonade out of lemons he was served. Just go for it. Especially if there's a market for it. Do it. Yeah. And you see that the world of sideshows is booming around you. I mean, like he was born at the perfect time where it was like it things were happening and he could absolutely get a career. So but he the, started the, to look the into the it. Two fully formed, like functioning penises, I feel like no matter what time you're born. <laughs> yeah. Like he could be born today and we'd be like, he has two fully formed penises. Oh no, 100%. Like he would be famous no it? matter what. <laughs> Can I see it, please? I I need to understand. Can you just do a quick flash? Yeah, he jumped right into the sideshow world. He was a very coveted performer. And so he started touring around, as you did at the time, and he would perform feats like kicking a soccer ball with his third leg or jumping rope, which fascinated and also kind of terrified the world. But people were into him. He eventually worked with all the major circuses and became extremely well-respected in the sideshow community and lived a completely normal life. Like no no depressing story, no issues. Awesome. He he lived a happy life in the sideshow world. So good for Franklin Teen. All right. Well, now I feel comfortable diving okay, into something good. deeply Did depressing. Did we lighten things? <laughs> Well, this week I'm talking about some of the not-so-great sides and stories through the history of the circus. Circuses are dangerous places, but Mm -hmm. like, duh, that's part of the thrill. No one went to the circus hoping to see a bunch of people doing safe stuff. Right. It's true. But obviously that means that when something goes wrong, it can go very, very, very wrong. Yeah. The most famous and most horrific thing to ever happen at a circus happened on July 6th, 1944, and it's known as the Hartford Circus Fire. Oh, goodness. Okay. So here's how this went down. It was a perfect storm. At the time, it was Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. So it was owned by Ringling and the, the companies had merged. And this circus was huge. The Big Top alone could seat 9,000 people. And that was just the Big Top. There were usually side rings as well. Whoa. The tents were waterproofed, and the waterproofing method at the time was paraffin wax dissolved in gasoline. Oh, what? Yeah. That's, so this, that's not smart. Why? I know. Why, I mean, I guess, like, it's, I guess it's smart, but not for, like, an enormous tent that, a th- you know, 10,000 people are going right. to stand that under. Right, sounds so dangerous. So this particular big top canvas had been coated with uh, 1,800 pounds of paraffin wax that was dissolved in 6,000 gallons of gasoline. Ooh. Okay. Also, at the time, the circus was struggling with personnel shortages because of World War II. Mm. So... Uh, a lot of people that would usually they would be able to find you know town to town to come work on the circus were off fighting the nazis Mm -hmm. so delays and machinery malfunctions were happening more and more often which made the circus a more dangerous place to be in general circuses at the time had become a well-oiled machine So they really didn't know how to deal with the sudden onslaught of problems Mm -hmm. and like no time to fix them because circuses were super popular still. 
So on July 5th, 1944, the trains were so late that one of the two shows scheduled for that day had been canceled. Now, apparently in circus superstition, missing a show is considered extremely bad luck. Like, your tent's going to burn down bad luck. Okay. Like, that's how bad it is. Wow. So the show that night went totally fine, but pretty much everyone was expecting a horrific accident. Yeah. The next day was a Thursday, and because the Wednesday afternoon show got canceled due to the trains being late, the crowd was bigger than usual. And because it was a weekday... The crowd is mostly women and children. Mm. The size of the audience has never been established for sure. They don't know an exact number, but the estimate is a little over 7,000 people were there. Okay. So a small fire began on a side wall of the tent while the great Wallindas were performing. Side note, the Wallindas have a billion tragedies of their own. I'm going to get to those later. Uh-huh. Anyway, the band leader, his name was Merle Evans was the one who first saw the flames, and he immediately directed the band to play The Stars and Stripes Forever, which was basically the distress call to all circus personnel. Like, mm. when that song is played, you know, you know like, something's holy shit, wrong. something's bad. We have we to get these go. people out of here. Okay. So the ringmaster, whose name was Fred Bradna, he told the audience not to panic, to leave in an orderly fashion. But the problem was, right as he was saying that, the power failed. What? And no one could hear him. Seriously, like, how the fuck could so many things go wrong? It was such a cursed moment. So he and the ushers tried to maintain some order as the panicked crowd started to run out of the big top, and obviously they failed. Like, Mm -hmm. these people don't know what's going on. Right. So uh, a lot of things happened. A lot of people tried to run around to find their loved ones instead of exiting the tent to safety. A lot of others couldn't get to an exit because at least two of the exits were blocked off by the chutes used to bring in the big cats, like, in and out of the tent. Yeah. So they couldn't even exit through the exits. Um, Some people stayed in their seats too long, thinking that it would be taken care of, and then literally could not crawl over the crowd to get to safety. And they just had no way out. No. They were trapped. Because of the paraffin wax, the flames obviously spread uh rapidly many people were horribly burned by the melting wax which poured down from the roof wow according to witnesses the entire tent collapsed in eight minutes trapping hundreds of people beneath it eight that's how long it took from the (sighs) tiny fire to the whole tent is on fire and collapsed to the ground with all these people everything is destroyed killing all these people Wow, that's horrible. It was horrific. Some people died from injuries they sustained after leaping from the tops of the bleachers in hopes that they could escape from under the sides of the tent, like they could dig and like lift up the under. tent. Man. But apparently that method actually ended up killing more people than it saved. Whoa. Because they are, they're, the tents are down. Like yeah. the, Those guys know you what they're doing. The tents, you can't get under there, so it would just cause a bunch of people like getting stuck man other people died from being trampled some died from asphyxiation from getting stuck under piles of people who fell over each other wow and obviously um some people burned to death Mm. the event became known as the day the clowns cried because of a picture of professional sad hobo clown emmett kelly holding a water bucket was um was in all the newspapers that's so depressing. 
No one knows what started the fire to this day. A lot of people assume it was an irresponsibly flicked cigarette, although the only people in that area would have been circus people and they knew how dangerous that could be. Yeah. So they would know better. They, I feel like they would know better. Of course, there was obviously uh, people in the circus who, you know, drank a lot. Maybe they huh. weren't paying attention. Like, it could right. happen. Yeah, accidents can happen for sure. Yeah. But it's also believed that it could have been arson. Someone purposefully started the fire. Ooh, somebody wanted revenge. Somebody was mad. Maybe yeah, their act anything. had to get cut. Like, you could just go mm-hmm. on and on of all the theories. Someone did confess to starting the fire years later. He was a serial arsonist who claimed that he had a nightmare in which an American Indian riding on a flaming horse told him to set fires. Well, wow. Well, he didn't do it. He ended up going to jail for 40 years because of other fires he started, but later denied setting the fire. And this was after authorities found evidence. He wasn't even in Connecticut the day of the fire. So he didn't do it. Um, it was I was a false more confession. saying wow to his reasoning behind it. I know. But, but yes, I'm very happy that he was just a bullshitter. That is I mean, that's ridiculous. kind of crazy to think about. Um, you know, you think today about people saying like, I heard voices in my head telling me to k- kill people yep. or rape women yeah. or whatever, whatever. You hear that all the time. And a lot of times they say like it was a demon or it was the devil. So to like have... A vision of a Native American. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a time thing. I don't know if that's because of the era. Right. Could have been. But uh, I found that to be very interesting. And he, very he stuck by that story like throughout his life. Like he died wow. in like 1990 something and did an interview obviously because of this this major fire that he had confessed, confessed to. to. Yeah. And he, he stuck to it. He was like, yeah, I, I had these visions. And he probably had some sort of I don't know, mental disorder. I don't know if it was ever yeah, diagnosed. Sure. But... So the official oh, death boy. toll was only 168. Okay. Although historians believe it was actually much higher than that. Some of the smaller remains were never be able to be matched with victims. Okay. A lot of sense. free tickets were handed out that day. So there was no receipt or proof of purchase or actual number like they didn't do clickers they weren't like click 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 this is how many people are are on the grounds today there was no like actual count of how many people were in there and not to mention the amount of like rubes and drifters who would never be reported missing by family who who worked for the circus good point but 168 was the official death toll more than 700 others were injured so, That's so many people. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting factoid. I didn't know. Charles Nelson Riley was there. Wow. He what? was a 13-year-old boy. He got out, obviously. He got and out. And he escaped. Yeah. What a guy. That is definitely a person that would be like, oh, you you escaped a circus fire? Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, that I, I can see that. <laughs> We're going to accept that answer. Yep, that answer. Yep, it's accepted. So before you move on, I am going to break up the bad stuff with a fun list of other circus superstitions. Yay, tell us something fun. Just a couple. I already went over the, like, if you miss a show, it's horrific bad luck. Mm -hmm. Another one, whistling under the big top or in the dressing room is unlucky. 
now no whistling okay no whistling and whistling is also bad luck in theater i didn't know i mean i can't whistle so i guess it never really applied to me but no, i can't whistle well so i never did it can but whistle with my I... teeth. yes you can and you are such a champ at the tooth whistle wait let me see if i can show you how bad my whistle is let me okay. i have to wet my lips a little that's not bad oh there it went see I wet my lips and I get like two good ones and then it goes to air. Let me see if I can whistle without my teeth. Nope. Oh, that was loud. Here we go. Yeah, but I get like one and then it ends. <gasps> Ashley! You're literally whistling right now. I did okay for like two. Yeah, we're the same. I'm like, oh, I can make a really fun sound for a second. Yeah, but then you hear those people like, oh, my grandpa was the champ of it. I feel like it's always yeah, old who men just, who are just yeah. so great. The, yeah, <laughs> and they can whistle full songs and do like harmony with their has friends. Been lost on uh, yeah. younger generations for yeah, sure. Yeah, us fools. I can't. Okay, whistling. Bad luck. Got bad it. luck. And this comes from the fact that many of the early technical aspects of rigging a theater were adapted from sailing ships. You see a lot of the pulleys and stuff like ah. that. And because of that, many of the stagehands back then were sailors. They they were ex-sailors. Okay. And before there were, you know, like walkie-talkies and headsets, whistling was used to cue the lowering and raising of the scenery and the props. So, oh. if someone was whistling backstage, it could be mistaken for a cue. And so it was like, do not yeah, do that. Don't, don't mess fucking it up. whistle. Like you could either mess up the show, or you could like, someone could get smushed by a set piece mm -hmm. if you like lowered something yeah. at the wrong time. Could cause a death. So you absolutely could not whistle backstage, and that kind of transferred over into like it's bad luck to whistle. Yeah, I I get that. Another one, and this one seems like uh, hard to avoid, but. If a bird gets trapped under the canvas, someone will die. Oh, but you can't help what a bird does. I know. They are lawless. Ugh, birds. This is actually adapted from the ancient Greek, a bird in the house superstition, because birds back then were actually departed souls that have come back to guide those soon to die. So if a bird ah. is in your house, someone in your house is going to die. Yep. But really, birds are just fucking idiots. Birds are crazy, and you if a door is open here. for long enough, they're going to probably fly in and think it's where they live now. <laughs> oh, goodness. And then my favorite circus, su circus superstition. <laughs> circus superstition. Hello, wine. Is uh, <laughs> never look back. And this was a circus motto in many different ways. It was like never look back in a circus parade. Never look back once you're on the road. And this was because a lot of the people involved in the circus were not perfect people. A lot of sure. them were runaways who ran away from a, a bad home situation. A lot of them were running from the law. They were criminals um, mm -hmm. running from drug addiction, alcohol addiction. And the idea is that if you look back, you bring the bad fortune of the past with you. Ooh. That's deep and I like it. So it was literally bad luck to like get on the train and like look back from where you were just coming from. You saying this is bringing to my mind that 
quote that's like, oh, she ran away with the circus. Or like, he ran away with the circus. I forgot Mm -hmm. that that was a thing. That is historically a thing of people just trying to escape whatever was bad in their life. Just escape their family, escape their hometown, and ran away with the circus. Well, a lot of times they would go to the circus, and they would be there, and they would see, you know, the camaraderie uh, between the people working. And a lot of the times, like, the showman or the ringmaster or ringleader or the showman or something would offer... Uh, young guys money they'd be like hey if i give you a dollar will you help do this tonight because we're shorthanded yeah and they'll work a night a shift and be like this is amazing and i I, I i want to do this for the rest of my life and most people who started like join the circus did not leave the circus yeah i can totally see that you find your community you find your people yeah. you don't want to leave yep well I like those superstitions, and I'm so glad that you threw that in because I was so stressed during the entire fire story, like gripping the table. I was not well. Okay, back to some freak show performers, and I'm going to talk about some people that I actually mentioned last week super briefly. This was sort of what brought um, sideshows to America in the very beginning. I had mentioned Chang and Eng Bunker, the first Siamese twins. So... They made a huge contribution to sideshow history because they were they were born in what we now know as Thailand in 1811, and they were the first conjoined twins to be called Siamese twins because of their birthplace. They were joined at the sternum, and the brothers lived facing chest to chest every dang day, which I just cannot imagine. With Modern medicine, they would be easily able to be separated since they didn't share any major organs and they only slightly, like, had a shared liver. It was, like, sort of connected, but not really. So nowadays, they could be separated so easily. But at the time, nope. They just had to live chest to chest and just accept it. That's where they were at. I just truly can't imagine having to, like, basically stare your twin in the face at all times. But that's who they were. And as the boys grew older, they came to America, settled in North Carolina, and they adopted the surname Bunker. They bought a plantation complete with slaves, y'all. Oh, great. And they even married a pair of non-conjoined sisters, which, uh, with whom they fathered a total of, you ready? Uh, no. 21. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) 21 children. I'm laughing because I totally cut you off like an asshole, but you the way you were like, I don't think I'm ready. I don't, don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I am. Oh, oh, it was 21, Ashley. Stop. And I can't. And I don't want to think about it. When people have Due like the- five kids, I'm like, are you fucking Catholic? Why? That's literally my brother and sister-in-law. She, and yes, they I are know. Catholic. Yeah, they do <laughs> I go to their house and I'm like, your house is a zoo and there's only five. And 21 just mm. sounds wild. And I know it was between the two of them, but that is still not okay. <laughs> Saying, oh, no, guys, but it was 21, like, between the two brothers. Shut up. Shh. A, they're conjoined, so it's the same household. And B, even if they were separated and somebody was like, well, it's 21 between the two of them. Be like, that is... Far too many. Due to the brother's condition, the marriage bed had to be custom built and had room for all four of them to sleep together at all times. Just one big happy family. And later on in life, the two wives actually found out that they could not get along at all. 
even though they were sisters. <laughs> but they were like, we can't do this. So the two brothers had to move into separate houses and they had to alternate spending three days <laughs> to a week at each. Um, depending on like what was going on that week, what was happening, they would spend like three to the entire three days to the entire week at one of the houses, but they'd wow. have to go back and forth because the sisters were like, hell no, <laughs> which kind of makes me giggle. But they just had the craziest life. I can't even imagine it. They died on January 17th, 1874, but actually not at the same time. <gasps> Chang died of a stroke brought on by pneumonia and died in the night. Like his brother didn't even know until he woke up. Eng discovered his brother the next morning, called a doctor for an emergency separation and hoped that he could live, but sadly, separation did not go well. And Eng also died by Aww. the time the doctors like were able they I don't think they even fully got through surgery. They were like maybe had partially gotten through and he also died. So both brothers died within the same day, which is very sad, but their their wives who hated each other and their kids all got to live on. And they were a spectacle for a very long time, for obvious reasons, and the reason that Siamese twins, the term, exists. Yeah. So Which they I, added I don't some know things. If I knew that that's Me why either. I, I, honest to God, didn't know that Siamese was. I mean, I remember being probably too old, probably like fourteen, <laughs> before I was like, "Wait, is that racist?" Right. I know Wait. in your head you're like, is this? Can I say this? Because I always watched um, Lady and the Tramp growing up, mm -hmm. and they're like, "We, we are Siamese, if you please." If you please. Ba -bum -bum -bum. Those cats. And I sang it all the time, not of realizing. <laughs> yep. That I was like, oh no. I know. I'm questioning everything. Okay, I won't sing it anymore. <laughs> I won't sing that song. But I will. Yeah, those guys in front of thousands of people. On a show. Yep, we just did it. <laughs> Oops. The I'm song. So sorry. <laughs> and then there is a man I just have to touch on, even though, like, most of us probably know about him, but Joseph Merrick, the Elephant Man. Probably, like, if not the most, one of the most famous sideshow performers to have ever lived. He was born in 1862 with a still to this day unconfirmed series of genetic defects. Like even modern doctors are like, I don't fully know what was going on with this guy. And his skin and bones were just covered with growths, protrusions, and tumors. He just sort of wow. had this lumpy, wide face. Like we've, if you haven't seen the pictures, do a quick Google, but I think most of us have just had this like face of growths, just kind of a man of lumps. And his condition didn't begin to display itself until the age of five, and his parents began to believe that it it was something his mother did, which was so common of the time. It's like, if there was a birth defect, it was like, well, what was the mother doing? Let's fault her somehow. Yeah, well, was she a Satanist? <laughs> she wasn't. That usually wasn't even medical. It was like, well, did she dance with the devil? Totally. Did she dance with the devil? It's definitely did the reason. Did she pray which, at night? Which you're correct. Like, it would be something like that. This story is even weirder. They thought it was because the mother was traumatized by being frightened by an elephant at a time in her life oh, while she was pregnant. wow. She was pregnant with Joseph and an elephant scared her and she jumped back and was so stressed and her heart rate went up that everyone thought it was the trauma from the elephant that made him have these deformities, which is one of the weirdest 
things I've ever heard in my life that people were like, oh, well, that time you were scared by the elephant. Excuse me? She wasn't stomped on by the elephant. She was just scared. But they thought it was traumatizing enough. And that is how he got his name, which I never knew. I just assumed, I don't know what I assumed, but I just thought like somehow they were calling his growths and his lumps an elephant-like appearance, which now that I think about it doesn't really make sense because elephants aren't lumpy. But I truly never knew why they were calling him that. But, but it is literally it, because of his mom. Isn't it called elephant titus? Elephant. There is. It can be called elephant titus, but at the time, like they didn't know that was a thing, yeah, and true. they still called him elephant man true. because yeah. of his mom. Which now, yes, that's like a totally normal thing that they would say. But it was like I think he kind of coined all of this like then maybe that's like then the term went even further but they were like well it was your mom and the elephant so he had trouble of course securing work throughout his life and really just not knowing what to do with the deformities that he had and he eventually agreed to join a sideshow as you do as a means of supporting himself and it led him to being introduced to dr frederick of the london hospital and he always stated that he didn't really mind his time as a performer. It wasn't his favorite thing and he didn't make a ton of money from it. And actually at one point he was actually like robbed by all of his savings and like cheated out of everything he was earned by one of his managers in Brussels. So like he didn't have a great experience, but he said like the time actually on stage, he didn't mind and he knew he had to do what he had to do, but his manager totally screwed him over behind his back. So he decided to make his way back to London And he stayed at the London hospital for a very long time um, when people found that he had a connection to Dr. Frederick. So he stayed there and ended up having a ton of visitors come to see him. Like London elite came, including Alexandra, Princess of Wales, which was a huge deal. Um, People just wanted to see this guy. They were like, oh, he left the sideshow. We can't go see him on the stage anymore, but I still want to see what he's all about. So he was visited constantly at the hospital and still was a spectacle without actually being on stage. Um, He died April 11th, 1890 of asphyxiation in his sleep. Uh, Dr. Frederick, who had befriended Joseph Merrick in the years that he had met him, believed that the cause of death was because he tried to lay his head down when when he slept. He usually was supposed to sleep upright because, yeah, because of everything going on. Like, it was just, it was the way he had to sleep if he wanted to be safe. But he decided to lay his head down, which dislocated his neck and suffocated him is what the doctor said at the end of his life. And that is how the movie that I told you I cried at ends like the whole movie. It's a total exaggeration of this guy's actual life. Like it shows him like in a romantic relationship with a woman, which he did have relations with women, but it like, just goes on this story of like this one woman who loved him and always came to see him at the sideshow. And in the end, she goes to visit him and basically says like, you're wonderful. And I, you know, want to be your friend forever. It's this nice moment. And then he goes to sleep that night laying down after we've been told the whole movie, he's supposed to sit up and you see him laying down as sort of a way of being like, I've done all I could do. This is the end. Goodbye. Like, I made a friend and that's all I needed. It's horrible. I hate it. Anyway, it's so sad. It is really sad. Um, I'll do another one before we move on. Okay. Because I, I wanted to mention the other person that I said in part one. I said Elephant Man and World's Ugliest Woman. Oh, so I yeah. wanted to go into 
Marianne Bevins. She was actually born as Marianne Webster in London, England in 1874. And she uh, lived a, a very normal life when she was younger and then into her early adult years worked as a nurse. She married a man named Thomas Bevin, where the last name comes from. And in 1903, symptoms of acromegaly, or acromegaly, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, I apologize, started to come forward. And this disease not only causes abnormal growths, but causes headaches, muscle pain, and failing eyesight. So her face starts to drastically change. It sort of extends and widens. It gets growths. It gets, you know, swollen under her eyes. She's starting to feel pretty severe pain. She can't see very well. It's horrible. But she still had four children with her husband and was living a very happy life until, sadly, Thomas died in 1914. And she was sort of at a loss. She was trying to take care of the kids and needed more income for her family. And she could not find any work because her looks were getting worse and worse. She... Every, everywhere she went, people were just kind of giving her these stares and saying, like, sorry about it. Like, not telling her the reason, but basically, like, you're too hideous to work for us. She just could not get in anywhere. But then she sees a sign for an ugly woman contest, which, why the hell does that exist? But it did. So she decides to enter, and she wins. So she was then hired immediately after she won the contest as a sideshow performer to tour around the UK, which I believe was when she first met Tom Norman, who I mentioned in part one. And then she was hired by Sam Gumperts in 1920, who was an American sideshow manager. And she moved to the US and did Coney Island Dreamland show and eventually toured with the Ringling Brothers, who we talked about. So she had a super successful life in America, of course, brought her kids with her. She provided for her family until the day she died on December 26, 1933, actually being, like, pretty rich. Like, her kids were very well off. She sort of hated her life as a performer because she was the part of the show every night that was just ridicule. Like, there would be the talent portion of the night, and then there would be, you know, the people who like, were really short this. or really tall yeah. or the bearded lady. And they would just say, like, come look at this crazy thing. So she was basically getting laughed at. Every single night that she went on stage. She didn't enjoy it, but she also was looking at her four children who she adored more than anything and said, I'm going to keep doing it. It's good money. It's responsible. So till the day she died, 1933, um, is believed she died sort of of natural causes due to her disease. And today, acromegaly, acromegaly, however you pronounce it, is super treatable through hormones, mm. surgery, and radiotherapy. But unfortunately, because of the times, Mary didn't have that luck, but well, she made it work. I looked up a picture because I was like, how do you even qualify ugliest woman? And really with the circus, it's just like, let's find a woman who's like not attractive or in her case, like masculine looking. Cause right, because she's not that ugly. She's really not ugly, like traditional I terms. I thought the same thing but when I looked at her picture. But she does look exactly like Stephen Fry. Yeah. <laughs> she does. Sorry to laugh at you, Mary, but she does. So like I get it, but it's just like, I, I feel like she's not the ugliest woman, though. I saw her photo when I was doing research and was like, what? Like, that's so dramatic. But of, I mean, of course, she's not. You wouldn't say she's a beautiful woman right. by normal standards and has some some things going on. But she's not the ugliest woman. Yeah, that's weird. 
It's very strange. And I feel for I don't know if when you looked at the picture you saw her before yeah, picture I did. as well. She was um yeah. she was very beautiful. She was, which that is very sad. Like to just watch your body change and not being able to stop it at all. Like yeah. just not able to do anything. Well, uh, time to cheer up. No, just kidding. This is uh, also very sad. Most of the other circus tragedies were in two categories. One, acrobats falling to their death. You had mm-hmm. the Flying Wallendas, who I, I mentioned earlier, who are a circus family who lost several family members. Mm-hmm. In the 1930s, Willie Wallenda fell to his death doing a bicycle stunt on a high wire. In 1945, a Walenda sister-in-law died from a 50-foot drop while doing a handstand on a pole. Oh, what? In 1972, a Walenda son-in-law was shocked by a live wire during an act and died from the fall. Ugh. And in one of the worst, in 1962, when a seven-person human pyramid collapsed from 35 feet and two people died and Ugh. one was paralyzed. And that's all in one family, one circus family. The Walenda that family. That is wild. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how it worked, with, especially with the acrobats. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've ever seen Batman Forever, you will know that <laughs> Chris O'Donnell played Robin, and he was an acrobat in a circus family of acrobats, and his whole family dies, mm-hmm. and they fall to their death. It's so rough. It's, it's so really sad. hard to watch. But there's so many stories like that of acrobats falling and, and either dying or getting like horrifically injured. So yeah, yeah. that's one. Uh, the other involves animals. <sighs> okay. I'm bracing. Bracing for impact. Let's do it. The circus has a very dark and horrific history with animals. And for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know and isn't aware... No, the animals were not treated well. (laughs) Of course they were treated well to the public. Like, no one wants to see an elephant whipped half to death. Like, they want to see this elephant come out and walk around and balance on a ball and throw whatever. Do the tricks. Yeah. But yeah, trainers used whips, tight collars, electric prods, bull hooks, and many other painful tools to force them to perform. Every single major circus that uses animals have been cited for violating the minimal standards of care set by the United States Animal Welfare. And Mm. that's just modern times when it's actually being monitored. In the 1800s, no one gave a shit what you did with this tiger. Nobody was watching them. No No. one was holding them accountable. There were no regulations. Right. The animals are housed in very small carrying crates, which has horrible psychological effects on them 96 percent of a circus animal's life is spent in chains or cages traveling via the trains especially even in modern times but especially back then 10 to 11 months of the year they're traveling with no climate control they sleep eat and shit in the same cage oh it's horrible lack of exercise and long hours standing on hard surfaces are major contributors to foot infections and arthritis um, which is the leading case of death among captive elephants. But also, you have to realize no matter how trained they are, they're still wild animals. And they yeah, do not absolutely. understand that they're doing this for funsies. Like, they don't understand, and they definitely don't understand that they're not supposed to hurt people, <laughs> even right. when they're poked and prodded and electrocuted. Yeah. 
And I really don't want to cover this, but honestly, um, I think the animals deserve to be remembered. So I'm just going to spare the super gruesome details as I tell you a couple of their stories. So one of the biggest tragedies involved Tyke the elephant. That's T-Y-K-E. She was a 20-year-old African elephant who performed with Circus International. And in 1994, the circus was in Honolulu. And the crowd got a real shock when she entered the ring, tossing around what appeared to be a dummy, but was actually her groomer that she had severely injured. He did not die, but she had severely injured him and was sort of like flailing him about. Just tossing him yeah. around like a toy. And uh, Tyke's trainer jumped in, tried to calm Tyke while the um, ringmaster then tried to calm the crowd. Uh, Tyke's trainer mm-hmm. ended up getting killed. Um, because Tyke was not calm. And yeah. she fled the ring where she ran through the streets of Honolulu for almost a half an hour. And she ended up being shot 87 times by police officers. Whoa. And she died. No exotic animals have appeared in, at a Honolulu circus since. And there's no law that prohibits it. They just have respect. Yeah. There's like, this happened. This was horrific. We never want to see right. another animal get hurt again. Uh, yes, so they don't, they don't do it there. Another famous event was the death of Masardi the lion tamer. He was a famous lion tamer, always performing very dangerous um, acts. I mean, like all lion taming acts uh, are pretty dangerous, like lion, lions, tigers, whatever, like big cat acts. Uh, But he Uh was really, really, really pushing the envelope with his. He had already lost an arm in a big cat act. Oh, boy. And he was known to drink a lot before a show. I wonder why. He lost a fucking arm. Like, why wouldn't you drink? So he was a drunk. And uh, one performance in England with Manders Menagerie in 1872 was, again, kind of a perfect storm. So Masardi was hammered as usual. The show in question was an extra performance that wasn't on the daily schedule. So the failsafe for a lion attack, which was um, a bunch of heated irons that were ready for a bunch Mm -hmm. of uh, people uh, to grab and stop the attack. Well, they weren't heated because this was an extra performance. And like whoever's job that was did not heat these irons up. And all this, it's almost as if the lions knew because as soon as he stepped into the cage for his like lion hunt act, the five lions immediately attacked him and he tried to fight them off with his sword and a pistol that he had that was loaded with blanks, but they didn't give a shit like they were after him. And um, since the irons weren't heated, the handlers couldn't get the lions to back off of him. And this is all in front of an audience who's watching. Yeah. Can you imagine having to watch this? They finally managed to force the animals back into an inner cage, but they drug Masardi in with them. And he was alive and mauled by five lions for almost a half an hour before they were able to get him out of there. And he he obviously he died on the way to the hospital. A half Um, an hour? Almost half. It was like 24 and a half minutes of being basically eaten alive by lions right yeah my god yeah and he was alive enough to like talk when they finally got him out and got him on a gurney and were taking him he said i'm a goner 
He was like, I'm Man. not, this is, I'm not going to live through this. Wow. So before I wrap up so this sad. super depressing stuff that I'm really <laughs> yeah, sorry about, um, I wanted to leave you with some, cir- some circus lingo, and I actually wanted you to guess what some of these are. All right, let's do it. I'm going to give you the term. I just want to hear your guess as to what it is, and I'll tell you what it is. We've already done pickled punks in the last episode. Yeah, we did that on accident last week. <laughs> okay, what is a crier? A crier? Mm-hmm. Mm, someone that has to let the... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I already know I'm wrong, but let me get it out. Someone who has to let the stagehands know that a performer is about to be exiting the tent and they need to let them out because they're cr- crying? they're crying and they're okay. like, "Hey, I'm the crier. Let them out." No, what is it? Just tell me. No, but okay, they were sideshow talkers, so they would walk the parade route ahead of the march. And not only would they, like, warn the townies, you know, to, like, hold on to your horses, like, literally hold on to the reins of your horses <laughs> hey, because elephants are coming down the street. Or they would tell people to, hey, follow the parade to the showgrounds. We're going to the circus. Follow us. They were called criers. Ah. So it was a person warning yeah. in my defense, but I was so far off in every other aspect. All that. <laughs> uh, do you okay, know what okay. an, an ace note is? An ace note? Mm-hmm. Like A-C-E, ace mm-hmm. note. Yeah. An ace note. Give me a second. An ace note. It's uh, the the moment you say the show's gone on too long and we have to wrap it up and bring the elephants in. I don't know. Okay. No, it's a $1 bill. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. I knew it. That was Notes my next guess. Or dollars, and ace is one or eleven, depending on what game you're playing. I forget that notes used to be a term for money. That was a thing. Do you know what a kip is? A and kip? I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. I'm heading to my kip. Your dressing room tent. Your kip was a sleeping place, which could be a bed or literally like a blanket on the ground. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, you could just sleep outside. Yeah, a lot of people did. I mean, the only place that you really shouldn't sleep was under the big top uh, because of several reasons. One, if anyone came to fuck with the circus, like someone who was like, let's go fuck with the, you know, freaks in the freak show or whatever, they're going to head straight for the big top and you don't Mm want to be caught in there with, like, no escape as people come to fuck with you. So that was like kind of a big no-no, but it also ended up morphing into like a superstition. Like don't sleep under the big top. Yeah. But yeah, kips were literally like, um, you know. Just anything you could sleep on. Yeah. Yep. Do you know what a joey was? A baby kangaroo. Aww. (laughs) My joey guessed the same thing. Joeys were actually what clowns were called before they were called clowns. Why is such a cute name given to clowns? Well, I guess there was a really famous European clown called Joe Grimaldi. <laughs> so, All right, Joe. Yeah, in the old days, clowns were called Joeys by, not by like laymen, not by like people coming to watch the show, but like, right. inside the circus, the circus, a circus called them Joeys. Yeah. Okay. I have two more. I'm sure I'll know them. 
One is a John Robinson. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use it in a sentence. Okay. Okay. Tonight we gotta do a John Robinson. We gotta get up in the morning. We gotta get an early night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that right? Well, sort of. It's a shortened circus performance. Okay, so like calling it quits early yeah. so you can go to bed early. And like okay. basically they would call it towards the beginning of the show, be like, hey, listen, we're doing a fucking John Robinson because ah. <laughs> rarely these are given because circus people are dedicated as fuck. But if mm-hmm. they had to shorten a performance due to a big storm coming through or a really long haul to like whatever town they had to be in the next day, they would call for a John Robinson to be like, we're doing the right. short version because okay. we got to wrap it up. Makes sense. Okay, last one. Night Riders. Just the night crew that had to keep watch overnight or work overnight to make sure the circus happens. So much cooler than that. Oh, so gosh. Well, that. good. I'm glad because my answer sucks. Tell me. <laughs> The night riders, these guys would go out at night and they would go to the town that they're heading to next or the town they just arrived to, like whichever, and they would tear down or cover up the advertisements for another show playing on the show's route. Oh, dang. So badass. I say the ballet was in town. They would literally go in town and rip down or cover up every single poster for the ballet with a poster for the circus. So it'd be like everyone's coming to the circus. We're the only show in town. We sabotaged it. Yeah. That is so cool. I love that job. Yeah, I was a big fan. Anyways, that was all. And that's a lot less dark than all the death. I know. We needed that happiness. I had a couple more people I was going to mention, but honestly, I just... I feel like it'll be a good place to end it on this one last lady that I want to talk about (laughs) because otherwise this could be like a three-hour episode. We can put them in our Facebook group. The pictures? Yeah, we'll add a post with pictures and descriptions of these people. Yes, I love it. Like A, the ones we talked about if people just want to see photos, but we can add the additional ones too. But I want to end on a positive note since we have said some sad, sad things tonight, but... There was a woman named Annie Jones who was the most famous and most successful and also started the youngest of the Bearded Ladies in oh, Freak man. Show history. I love Bearded which, Ladies. Right? Mm-hmm. There have been so many Bearded Ladies. Like, it is no surprise that it is basically the most popular sideshow job of a woman as far as, you know, pop culture goes. We have been shown over and over that when you're going to have a freak show or a circus or anything in a movie, there's probably going to be a Bearded Lady. That's what we assume. And, yeah, we think of that when we think of oddities and any of that. But Annie Jones is remembered the most. She started touring with our good pal P.T. Barnum when she was only nine months old. Whoa. She quickly became, right? She quickly became one of Barnum's most prized acts, and she had even grown a full mustache by the time she was five, five years old. Wow. And is believed that she probably had hirsutism, I never know how to say it, but it's that like excessive hair growth disease that still to this day a lot of people have, and it's excessive body hair in areas that would normally not be so hairy. And it's especially noticeable in women because they will have beards and lots of facial hair and chest hair. And you just, it's like when you're not expecting it, it grows. So she most likely had this, but no one is sure. Again, because of the time, nobody had diagnosed it. And they were just like, yep, she has hair. She was simply referred to as the bearded girl when she was tiny, tiny, as she was touring around with everybody. She eventually was called the bearded lady or the bearded woman. She got older, but... 
It was bearded girl or monkey girl when she was young, which like, shut up with that monkey girl stuff. That sucks. Also, when she was little, an incident occurred, which nobody knows if it was one of Barnum's publicity stunts or not, but a New York man kidnapped Jones when she was just a young child, and Barnum and the police found her much later exhibited in a church fair, and they confronted the man who was, like, showing her off, like he was trying to have her as his own act at a church fair, and he said, this is my daughter, like, she's my kid, you can't take her away from me, but... They decided to look into it because they were like, this is a lie. This isn't real. And the judge had Jones separated from everybody else when this was brought to court. They had everybody testify of what they thought was true, both the real parents, Barnum, and this random church dude. And then when Jones was finally brought into the courtroom, they said, run to your parents. And she ran to her actual parents. Of course, she was so excited to see them and had been separated from them. The judge immediately said, case closed. This guy's an asshole. And he was arrested. But... Still, nobody knows if this was real or staged. Most believe it was probably staged through Barnum because he was the king of publicity stunts and doing anything to make a spectacle and make money, as we have discussed. anything to get someone to show up at the circus and buy a ticket. And they they knew this would be drama, to be like, what? The bearded little girl was stolen and she was exhibited at another fair? Like, it it was a huge, splashy story. So it very well could have been him. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe this guy was actually just an asshole and took her, but we'll never know. Then later on in life, Jones was one of the most popular bearded women in the business, and she used her fame for good. She realized she had a huge platform at being in Barnum Circus, so she decided to discourage the use of the word freaks, which is what Mm. I kind of said at the beginning of all this and saying... This is not a great name to call sideshow performers. You know, we are, we're actors, we're performers, we're working, we shouldn't be called freaks. So she was fighting and fighting to get this term out of the world, which I love. I'm like, get it, girl, you were fighting, you were, you know, so progressive for your time, like nobody was ready for you. I'm obsessed with her. She also, despite having a full-grown beard and chest hair, lady was killing it in all sorts of Ways. She married a man named Richard Elliott in 1881. They had a very happy marriage, but sadly, she got back in contact with her childhood sweetheart. So not sadly, really just sad for Richard Elliott, but awesome yeah. for her. She reconnected with her childhood sweetheart, got divorced, and married him. His name was William Donovan. But then this really is sad because, like, get it, girl, that she got with this guy. But then he died and left her a widow. And then in 1902, yes. just a couple years later, she died herself in Brooklyn of tuberculosis. Oh, so, no. I know. That's horrible. A really shitty way to die. A horrible way to go out. So the end of her life ended up being so sad between her husband dying and her getting tuberculosis. But for so long, she was killing the game. She was, you know, paving the way for future performers saying, basically, like, we deserve more, we should be called more, we should be respected more. Like, she was awesome. She had such confidence that you wouldn't have expected from her. I thought that would be a great way to go out is to talk about the best bearded lady out there, Annie Jones. That is a good way to end it. I, um, yeah, I love her. I didn't know anything about her. That's something, too, that, um, yes, is majorly easily treatable today, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of women who, um, have the condition and who are like, this is my body. This is who I am. So, like, if you yeah, don't like it, off. you know, 
I don't know. Don't look at me. Like, yeah, I don't know what you want. Sorry about you don't you. have to date me. I'm not telling you. I'm not forcing you to to have my kids. Like, exactly. close your eyes when you walk by. Like, fuck you. I don't that's, know. But that's something I love about the world today. It's like, oh, my gosh, we have so many issues today. We could go on and on. But there is something I love of women are starting to embrace themselves however they are. And it's like if I – have excess hair i don't give a shit anymore like i'm just gonna let it grow and you can look away if you're not into it oh does that bother you yeah (laughs) well it shouldn't because i am wonderfully made and here i am let that hair fly and i do love that about like this new generation coming forward of kids just like not giving an f no because they shouldn't anywho that's all the time we have this week for keep it weird that was fun. Mm-hmm. It I'm did end up being fun. So glad that we did circus, the circus, that we did the circus. Me too. Because I agree. At first, I was like, nah, "Is there much to say?" There's a ton to say. I didn't even cover, so you know, much to say. a third of the stuff I even found. I highly recommend y'all just Google a couple of the things that we talked about and just read to your heart's content. Yeah, like you know that we are like just scratching the surface with this it goes so much deeper we tried to cut our notes down so we weren't putting four hour episodes out for you guys but like there's a million stories on both the circus and freak shows of the past that you can look up yeah my goodness i had to cut myself off with the amount of sideshow performers i wanted to tell you guys about tonight but there's everybody has amazing stories so go go check it out Thank you guys so much for listening to our show and hanging out with us every week. Um, if you want to join our Facebook group and chat with us every day, please do so. We're on there 24-7. You should also follow us on social media to know when new things are happening. And our handle is at Keep It Weirdcast. And don't expect too many updates because things aren't happening. But we still post some fun stuff. It's real. Check out our Patreon if you want to receive newsletters every month and have access to a ton of bonus episodes. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. You can also show your support for the show by repping some Keep It Weird merch. Check out our Etsy store at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. We've got tons of stuff in there. All kinds of cool stuff. Shirts and tags and hoodies. <laughs> Okay, guys, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be patient and kind, especially with yourself. Be good to one another. You never know what someone is going through. Try to be patient and understanding. And even if they're not going through anything, be nice to them anyway. Truth. It's just a good thing to be kind. It's just a good reminder. And uh, keep on keeping it weird. Keep it weird. So this guy with two fully functioning penises, penises like I cannot <laughs> imagine how much pussy he was drowning in. Because you know women were going <laughs> to the sideshows and being like, wait, you have what? Wait, what? <laughs>